This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Comfort Eats. Comfort Eats is a company that ships American snacks to expats living all around the world to provide them with a sense of comfort and joy. They've already shipped to over 30 countries and counting, so no matter where in the world you are, you can go onto their website at comforteatsdelivery.com, shop through their online shop of different snacks and seasonings and baking mixes and more, place an order. You don't have to worry about custom fees. It's just the shipping rate, and then you're all set. After interviewing one of the founders, Raina, for the podcast, I was so excited about the concept of this company that I went ahead and immediately placed an order. Well, that order got to me within two weeks, and now I'm on week three, and pretty much everything they sent is already gone because I just have no self-control. But I am saving one thing I got. They have graham crackers, and those you cannot get in Germany. So I went ahead and got a box. I already told all my friends, we cannot wait for summer to happen so that we can make some s'mores the proper, correct way with graham crackers. And another cool thing about Comfort Eats is that they are always adding new things to the shop. So for instance, I just went on there again today, which was a very dangerous decision because they've added Girl Scout cookies to their shop. Yes, this is dangerous information, but as a snack fiend myself, I had to share it. I just had to. Another cool thing is Comfort Eats actually offers custom care packages for corporate gifts and functions as well. So if you're looking to do a bigger event, you can also reach out to them and make that happen. So again, they're called Comfort Eats and you can visit them online at comforteatsdelivery.com. Happy snacking! Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. This week's episode is all about getting your driver's license in Germany, and we talk about it specifically as two Americans who got their license in Germany. So, of course, this information is going to vary country to country. So if you're listening to this to get insights and tips onto how to make this process work and you're not from the U.S., you'll just want to double check that the information you're getting here is also true or maybe not true for your passport country. I think actually, even if you're not from the U.S. or you're not trying to get your license in Germany, I think this is still a really interesting episode or topic. But again, I'm a giant nerd, as you guys already know, so take my word for what it's worth. (laughs) For me, what's interesting is it can tell you so much about the place and the culture, how they handle these logistical aspects. As you'll hear in this episode, my guest is a good friend of mine, Stacy. She's from California. You may know her voice because she came on the show for the Ask an Expat episode a couple seasons back. And now she's here to tell us about what it was like getting her license as a Californian in Germany. And you'll hear me share my experience as a Pennsylvanian. It was a heck of a lot easier because my state has reciprocity and hers does not. So even within those two states, there's differences. But what surprised even me is that as we got to talking, I noticed how many differences there were between what she had to do to get her California license versus what I had to do to get my Pennsylvania license. Now, some pretty exciting personal news. I actually just signed on to get my motorcycle license. I am really, really excited and actually quite terrified about this whole prospect. I I signed on to do it and was like, cool, this will be fun. What a neat project. Look at me go. I'm becoming such a badass with my leather jacket, whatever. Um, Yeah, that night I was falling asleep and I jolted awake with the thought of what the heck am I doing? Guys, I've been on a motorcycle once in my life (laughs) and I guess it was fun. I don't know. But I really don't have a lot of experience. I don't really have a good answer as to why I'm doing this other than I just, I don't know, I feel like it, I guess. (laughs) I have no idea if I'll like riding a motorcycle or not because I do think it's really dangerous and I'm 
I'm not totally risk averse. I do like a little rush of adrenaline, but I'm not really too wild with it. And when things are risky because they're genuinely dangerous, that's usually a sign for me to, to turn around and, and do something else. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I can keep you guys posted if you're interested. And if anyone out there is listening and has gotten their motorcycle license in Germany, please reach out because I actually don't know that many people who have it. And I have a lot to learn. So yeah, let me know if, you, if you've done it yourself, if you have any tips for me. So enough said, let's get to the episode itself. Let's hear from my darling, wonderful guest, Stacy. My name is Stacy, and I am originally from Los Angeles, California. I've been living in Freiburg, Germany now for about two and a half to three years. And Stacy, how did you how did you get here today? Yay, I drove. What? <laughs> this doesn't sound like a major feat, but having been along for the ride with you, pun intended, this whole time, um, I know that it was a journey and a half. Um, yeah. So we're here to talk about how it came to be that you were able to simply get in a car and drive over to my apartment. So let's start with why did you decide that you wanted to get your license? When did that happen? And what was your reasoning? Because one might argue, Germany, Europe, famous for having great public transit. Why do you even need a car? Yeah, so there is great public transportation here, which I utilize all the time. But I think that in the US, I had my driver's license. And here in Germany, if you choose to move here permanently, once you get your residence card or after a travel visa, if you come here on a more permanent visa, you have three years to switch your driver's license over or you have to start over from the very beginning. And so I was coming up on about a year and a half and I thought, okay, I should start looking into what this is going to look like because I've heard that it's expensive and it takes time. Um, and I just wanted the opportunity to have it without having to start over. Um, also, you're from LA, so you need a car. Yeah. I'm, well, and also, <laughs> I mean, there's great public transportation in the city and between bigger cities. But if you want to go on like a little Ausflug for the day, like a little outing, that's where it gets really hard. And living so close to the Schwarzwald, you know, right in the middle of it, sometimes you want that opportunity to do that. And you don't have that necessarily with public transport. Yeah. And to be fair, we live right by the Black Forest. There are so many amazing things to do. But for instance, to get to the, the tallest mountain in this area, Feldberg, it's like a two hour tram, train, bus, bus, yeah. hike. <laughs> like it's just a it's a whole process. But then if you hop in a car and you just drive, you're there in like maybe 40 minutes. Okay, okay. So you've decided you want to get your license. You know you have this deadline. How does the process start? What do you do then? So yeah, it started out with going to that office and registering and depending on the person giving up your original license from your home country and proving that you had one. So for comedic effect, I'm not going to tell everyone how I got my license until the end of going through <laughs> your whole story. But I will say that if anyone's listening from the United States living in Germany, and I'm sure this goes for a lot of other countries as well. I just don't have that information pulled up right now. But if you're coming from the U.S. to Germany, there are certain states that have reciprocity deals. And that means the process looks a little bit different. So I'm going to read them out real quick just for fun. They are Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Delaware, Idaho, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Mexico, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Oh, I was almost going to make it in one breath. <laughs> South Dakota, Texas, Utah, Virginia, West Virginia, Washington State, Wisconsin, Wyoming, and Puerto Rico. 
what is not on that list is California, yeah. <laughs> where you're from. So this was already the first step that you're explaining is different because I am from Pennsylvania, which yes. was on that list. So if you're from one of those states on the list, we'll, we'll come to you later. And if your state wasn't listed, perk up your ears because the, the journey that Stacey's about to take us on, <laughs> you will also be so lucky as to go on. Okay, so you register that you want a license that yeah. they start making it. And then what are the steps? Well, let me just say really quick, if you're not on that list that Nikki said, my recommendation would be for you prior to try to switch your state license. (laughs) Three months prior, I think you have to have it for a minimum of three months for it to count when you move here. So if you have that option, then I would say if it's really easy for you to switch it to a neighboring state or you have a secondary house somewhere that would be my suggestion for you, just so you know. I do know someone who did that. And they were like, yeah, they're also from California. And they were like, I visited a friend in Arizona. And yes. I don't know, the states are so lax about paperwork that it was super easy. And Yeah. So next step, you would find a driving school that you want to do your driving hours with. Through them, they gave me like an online study app that I could study all the questions for the test. And if I remember correctly, it's about 1,200 questions that you need to study for the written examination. A lot of them are similar questions, just worded in a different way. So um, depending on how you learn, like personally, I had the questions printed out and I put them into groupings and that was how I chose to study them. That ended up working out the best for me. But once you are prepared, the, the great thing is that the questions that you get, those are the literal questions that will be on the examination. But like I said, there's 1,200 of them, and they are also not just one-off questions in the sense of A, B, C. Okay, the answer is C. The answer could be maybe A and B, or it could be A and D and C. You you don't know. Jeez. I hate that format of test off the bat. I'm already like, nope, nope, nope. This sucks. Um, But I heard that the one benefit is you do get to choose your language. So if you're not comfortable in German, you don't have to do this part in German. Is that correct? Yeah, so that is correct. You can do the written portion in, I don't know, many, many different languages, English being one of them. However, I will just mention that when you're doing the driving portion of the exam, the person that's sitting in the car with you will not speak to you in English. They'll speak to you in German and you need to be able to understand them. Okay. And the examination, the written examination, I believe is 30 total questions. And it's a weird format. They're worth different points. They're worth either, I think, two, three, four, or five points, and you can't get like a combination of 10 wrong. So you can't get like two number five questions wrong. Those would be considered like more valuable questions, or you can't get like a total of four questions wrong. So there's different regulations you need to fit into. Jeez, this is such a complex format of testing. I just also am thinking back in the States, be it a driver's exam or the SAT even or something like that. It's usually a very straightforward point system. Yeah. Uh, but this is way more complex. And also the ratio of 30 questions from 1,000, 1,200 1, is nuts. Okay, so that sounds pretty awful. How long did it take you to work through that to the point where you felt like, okay, I think I'm ready to take this test? Personally, it took me honestly about six months. It will not take everyone that long. I think that it was so intimidating to me. And so I just kind of kept coming to it and going away from it. I know other people that have done it and they studied really, really strongly for, I think, three to four weeks. And then they were able to pass it the first time, no problem. I took some more time because the wording is translated from German. So there was a few like spelling errors in the questions and the way that it was worded could sometimes be misconstrued as something else 
So it also takes a little bit of like memorizing to be able to get through it more than actually understanding everything. Do you remember some of the questions? Because I remember you studying and sharing some of them with me and with our other friends. And I recall them being quite confusing and complex and a bit mathematical. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Um, There's definitely questions like if someone's hurt and you have to stop in the order of how you would help them and take care of the situation. I found was a little bit different than how we would learn that in the States. Also, for us, that's not tied into our driver's license um, like it is here. I know also, yeah, there's there's like mathematical formulas for like the stopping distance and the reaction distance and the braking distance. And so you need to memorize these formulas and be able to calculate them when you're taking the test. So there is a lot of different mathematical questions like that. That's freaking nuts. Uh- Okay, this whole podcast is me just being like, what? This is crazy. But it is. Okay, okay. And let's say that you took the test and failed it. What would happen? Can you just keep taking it? Yeah, you can take it again. I think that you have to wait. It's either two or three weeks. And then I passed it the first time. So like I said, I studied six months. So yay, I got 30 out of 30 my first time. That was great. But yeah, if you don't, I think it's two to three weeks that you have to wait And then you can take it again. But if I understand correctly, you would have to pay that 170 ish dollars again if you don't pass it. Okay, not great. Not great. That's definitely That was the pressure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And weren't you also on the side taking a first aid course related to what you were just talking about, about this whole safety topic? Yes. So that's a good point. I missed that in the beginning because there's a lot of different factors. But actually, when you go to the Standesamt to register, one of the things that you will need is a first aid course. And then a passport photo. So before you even go to start this process? Before you go to the Standesamt, if you were to go there, then they would tell you that you need the first aid course and you would then have to make another appointment to go back. So you could go register, but then they're just going to tell you you need it and then you'll have to go back there again. So my recommendation would be to find the first aid course, take that and your passport and the printout for the registration paper and do it all at once. Then you won't have to go back there and deal with it a second time. But I believe that you could do it both ways. Here in Germany, it's required by law to have um, a first aid course if you have your driver's license. Because if you see someone that's hurt here, you're, you're actually supposed to stop and help. I know in the States, depending on the state, that's different. And we also don't require first aid courses. But here... And this is the other thing about reciprocity. If you're coming from one of those reciprocity states, you don't have to do that um, because you just basically get to transfer over your driver's license. But if you come from, for example, California or a state without reciprocity, then yeah, you'll have to do what a German person would do, which is a first aid course. And it's a one day full course. I think I, I think it was 90 euros, I want to say, or 80 euros. And that included the passport photos they took. And it was seven or eight hours. It was in German. They don't have it in English. You're with a bunch of other people that are also getting their driver's license. And you run through different scenarios if people were in a car accident or people were hurt. And you do like hands-on learning. And then they also walk through like slides with you that you understand how to help people. Was it fun at all? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was fun. It was there was a lot of younger people that were getting their license in the beginning and also a lot of other foreigners. So it was a great way to meet like other people that were living here in the same situation as me. And also just like the hands on experience when you're with a bunch of strangers can I, it could be intimidating, but I, I found it really funny and fun to, um, for example, one of the activities was we reviewed like 
10 different situations and how to look out for them. For example, if someone had a a heart attack or if their leg was hurt and how to check that. And then they gave us a scenario and then we had to basically simulate in front of the class how we would take care of it. So yeah, it was fun. Every time I think about first aid, I just see the scene from the office in my head where they're like attacking this mannequin and then they just start pumping it to staying alive, which I think sums up American first aid actually pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've always been impressed when I've seen German first aid courses. It's much more in depth. And they did have the mannequins too. They had yeah. like a child mannequin and a normal mannequin that we practiced like the... Did you stay alive? CPR pumping. Did you... Uh, 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 stay alive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say it was a Britney Spears song that they gave us to sing it to. Oh, weird. I don't remember which one, but for some reason that's what's ringing in my head. But yeah, we, he gave us a song to sing to while we pumped. <laughs> and just by attending the course, you quote unquote pass it, right? You, you attend, you get the certificate, you're good to go. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. So you started that before you went in. I think it's actually the Rathaus, not the Standesamt. Oh, okay. Okay. It was the Rathaus. City Hall kind of a deal? Yeah. yeah. So you did all that before you even went to the Rathaus, as it were, and filed for your license. So, okay, you do that. You pay your 170 euros. You start studying for the test for about six months. You take the test. So we're at maybe like eight months total. Does that sound accurate? Um, no, the last part went really quick. I, I did it really quick because obviously like I, I had had my license before and I've been driving since I was 16. So I've been driving for over 15 years. So the six months was me mostly studying for the written exam because like I said, I didn't want to pay that money again. And I wanted to pass it because I do know a lot of people that haven't passed it the first time. But once I passed that, the next portion went really quick because once you pass, then you go back to the driving school that you registered with. You basically send them, you'll get like a report that you pass the examination. You can show them that and the official one will be sent to TIFF, to the like DMV, we would say in the States. And then basically as soon as you're done and you pass that exam, that same day you can write your driving school and say, hey, I'm ready. I passed. I want to schedule um, an appointment with a driver. And what I find really cool about the driving lessons here versus the U.S., and maybe this has changed since I got my driver's license, or maybe it's different in other states, but in the States, you go to a driving school and then someone will pick you up, but every time it's a different person. You don't really have like a relationship or connection with them, but here in Germany, you're assigned an individual person, and that's the person that you'll do all your driving lessons with, and you even get their personal number. So when you want to plan to do the driving hours, you can message them directly and you plan the time with them. So I thought that was really nice because it makes you more comfortable, you know, because you're not always with someone new in the car. So every time he would be the one to come pick me up and then we would schedule a new lesson. I actually, so in Pennsylvania, I wasn't required to take any hours with a certified teacher. Oh, wow. My parents just drove me around and then I got a license. Yeah. So very different for me. And what, what were those lessons like? How many did you have? What kind of things did you do? I only did four lessons because I already had my driver's license. So basically, for a person that comes from a non-reciprocity state, you basically have to do a whole driver's license examination the way a German person would do it, outside the fact that you only are required to do one driving lesson. A German person has to do, I think, at the driving school, like 40 hours or 20 hours or something with an actual teacher. And so that was basically the only difference for me was money and time that I only was required to do one lesson. I ended up doing four lessons with him, um, mostly because I ended up deciding to do 
Oh, this is also something that's different in the States. Uh, in the States, if you get a driver's license for a car, it's for manual and automatic. It's together. And here in Germany, you have to choose if you want to do manual or automatic. And if you do an automatic license, you can't drive a manual. If you do a manual license, you can drive an automatic. So, And it costs the same? Yes, it costs the same amount of money, but if you end up doing the automatic license and then later on you decide you want to do a manual, then you have to pay again to do your driving examination, not the written, but the driving examination, and you would have to also do more driving hours. So in the end, you're going you're gonna to end up paying quite a bit bigger chunk of money. Yeah, geez, okay. And so you ended up doing manual, right? Yeah. So originally I was going to do automatic and then I thought, you know what, I've driven manual a few times. I should go for it and try it that I don't have to deal with it later. So that was why I ended up doing four lessons because in the US I mostly drove automatic. So I just wanted that little bit more of experience before I did my driving exam. And yeah, so the lessons go for different amount of time. It would depend how much time he had free in the day. I think the quickest lesson I had was an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And then the longest was about an hour and a half. So the cost is for a 45 minute lesson. It was 50 euros and 50 cents. I did those four hours. The last one was really nice. He scheduled it, which I guess is quite common. He scheduled it on the same day that I was doing my driving examination right beforehand. So we drove around together a little bit before I had my examination, which, you know, allowed me to relax a little bit more and not be nervous. Another thing I thought was cute about that was the way they they scheduled it. You would tell me that the person who had the lesson before you, part of their job, so to say, is then to drive to your house and pick you up. And then you drive them to their house and drop them off. And then same at the end. When you're ready to be done, you go pick someone up. That person drops you off. I don't know why. I just think that's really cute. Just a good system. (laughs) Yeah. I also thought it was really nice because we didn't just drive in the city. Like we went out and drove around the, the Black Forest a little bit and went on back roads. And basically, he tried to take me in like multiple different scenarios if you're in small little village area or if you're getting onto the clear way. Yeah. So that was nice that we got to test out a lot of different things. Yeah, I think that's also really neat. Another thing that is surprising in retrospect about the states, or at least Pennsylvania, is that my driving test, for example, was literally you parallel park, you drive through a parking lot, you drive the block around the parking lot, you pull back in, you pull into a spot, and that is the whole thing. Wow. You too or no? No. Oh, wow. Okay. It was so easy. And the result is that they're not checking at all if you can drive on an, on a highway or in any other conditions other than this like suburban mall. <laughs> so it's not really representative of real world driving. And, yeah. you know, luckily my parents were good teachers and taught me all sorts of things. But again, that's like the downside of the American freedom is that none of this was actually checked. And I know other people who really struggled with it. Their parents were too afraid to have to take their teenage child onto a highway, which, you know, fair enough. Right. So, yeah, I also think it's really cool that they, they make a point to take you around to these different scenarios and make sure you know what to do. Yeah. And you having that personal connection with them also, it's like it, it for me, it felt a little bit like therapy. We would just be chatting and driving and then he'd say, OK, turn here, turn there. So. <laughs> OK. And so after your four lessons, your fourth lesson was, in fact, on driving test day. How yeah. did you end up deciding when to take the test and what was the test like? Yeah. So I 
did two lessons two weeks in a row. So basically I passed my test. I don't know, it was on a Thursday or something. The next Monday I had a driving lesson. Thursday I had a driving lesson the following week, I think Monday. And then on Thursday we had my test planned. So basically after the first lesson, he said to me, I don't know what I should do with you driving a bunch of lessons because you obviously know how to drive. So he said, I think we should just schedule your test and maybe do, you know, a couple more driving lessons. So we scheduled the test. He scheduled the test that day for me after my first driving exam. And we put a couple more lessons in. And then he had asked me if I wanted to do one the day of the driving exam. And I said, yeah, why not? I'd rather do one extra. Okay, so take us to test day. You have your practice hour with your assigned driving instructor. And then what? He picked me up at my house. We drove drove around a little bit, drove to the TÜV together, so to the DMV together, have your your like paperwork with you. I don't remember at this point exactly what it was. I think that it was that I had passed the written exam, that I had like had experience hours. You show that to him and then you get in the car. And so the person that's with you is the person you've been practicing with is sitting in the car in the front seat. And then the person that's actually from the, they sit in the back seat. So it was also, um, you know, Germans can be a little bit like not so overly friendly. So it was a little bit intimidating because he's coming and he, you know, he's more like serious. He's looking at my paperwork. Okay, good. Now we get in the car. Okay, go ahead, drive. And there was like one or two words in German I didn't understand. For the most part, it was okay. But I remember like I asked the guy I'd been practicing with, I asked him for that one word. And the guy said he answered me instead in English. And then he said to me in German, like, I'm not allowed to talk to you in English. Like, I have to talk to you in German. So if you're not able to do the exam in German, it's going to be a problem. I was a little bit taken taken back by that because, I mean, there was people during my driving hours that got in the car that didn't speak any word of German, you know, and I'm between a B1 and B2 level German. So I thought... I wonder what that experience would be like for them. So just a, a heads up, I, I don't know how that would be for someone who doesn't speak German at all. If it's more they just put that pressure there or if it's really that they wouldn't help you, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. But yeah, once we got in the car, I mean, it was fine. That was the the only real thing. We drove around for, I think, the whole driving exam is 30 or 45 minutes. It's a set amount of time. And Usually they take you the whole time. I've heard in some circumstances they um, will take you less, but they basically just drive you around in different areas around the city and kind of like in a big loop through little villages and stuff and on the clearway and then back to the driving school. So in the test too, they're also testing, can you do all these different environments? Did you actually learn village driving versus city driving versus highway? Yeah. And there's, for in the States, there's a few key things that are really different here. Like for example, in Germany, it's always the right before left rule, which in the States, it's more like the big street, we would automatically have a right of way. And here in Germany, if you're driving through a a small street or, or like a village, then you would, you always give right away to the person on the right. And this is a really common rule here, unless you see this yellow triangular sign. So this was something hard to get used to also not being able to turn right on a red. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying. Which annoys me. <laughs> yeah, it's super annoying. But this was a, like another big one. Also something they had me do, I don't remember doing in my driving exam when I was younger, is they love their emergency stops. 
So they'll tell you, um, okay, we're going to go on the street and I'll have you do an emergency stop. And then they say stop. And they literally want you to jam on the brakes as hard as you can. Like the car should slide. That's how hard you should jam on the brakes. And this is something that they test because there's, I think there's just a lot of bikes here and stuff, you know, so they want to know that you can stop. So that was something I found um, interesting. And yeah, they made me parallel park. Those were the big things that stand out. Also, yeah, checking that that right before left was a big one because I think a lot of people forget about it. I think it's really tricky. I mean, the rule in and of itself is simple. You come to an intersection. In the U.S., there's usually stop signs directing that. In Germany, there's not. And there's just this understanding right before left. But yeah. there are exceptions to it, actually a mm-hmm. lot of exceptions yeah. to it. And yeah, I still find that really nuanced in a way that, yeah, when you hear the rule, you're like, okay, it's easy. What's the problem? But yeah, there's a lot of signs here in Germany. I think they have like double or triple the amount of signs <laughs> we have. So it sounds not intimidating. But then when you take into calculation all the different signs, sometimes you'll come upon like three signs on one area and you think you have to quickly in your head regulate what they all mean. And yeah. it's a lot. Also, all the intersections, like you're saying, there's bikes, there's people walking, there's big cars, little cars, there's trams, there's trains, there's all sorts of activity happening. And I find that also really intimidating. But one thing I think that softens the intimidation, at least of the person, the the tester being there, is mm-hmm. that they know the person that's been training you. Like they, the driving instructors have been around the scene their yeah. whole career. So they know each other. And I think that familiarity that they at least have between each other must be a bit of a comfort. Yeah. And I, Maybe I put a little bit of strongness on it because it was so much, um, so much work in total. And for me personally, it felt stressful. But I can say that the guy from the driving school, he made me so comfortable. Like he made me laugh and he made me feel relaxed when we were driving the driving hours. And he had to be a little bit more careful when the guy from TIFF is in there. But like you said, they have a relationship. And you can t- I could tell he was working to make the situation comfortable for me. He was, you know, trying to strike up a conversation a little bit with the guy to make it more relaxing for me that it wasn't so quiet and that I felt so nervous. So it it kind of feels like you you create this bond with them. At least I did like with him really quickly. And so kind of felt like having a friend that was there to support you in the car, which was really nice. And... What happened? And yay, I got my driver's license. Woo-woo! I passed it. <laughs> so it was awesome. He didn't say anything to me until we pulled back in the thing. And then he said, we got out of the car and he was quiet. And I thought, oh, no, did I do something wrong? Because <laughs> I thought I had done really well. And then he just like pulled out a paper and he was like, congratulations, you got your license. And then he handed me a paper. And I was like, OK, now what? And then he said, OK, you have to go back to the house, pick up your license. So actually that day, I went online, there was an appointment available to go in and I went like an hour later in and my driver's license was ready and I picked it up and I had it in my hand the same day and such a good feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it was freedom. Okay, but back to the less exciting stuff. You had to pay for the test too, right? The actual driving test? I don't remember the breakdown exactly, to be honest with you. I think the original cost I paid for registration with the 175, I think this was tied in with the total test price i know in total i spent something i want to say around 800 euros i don't remember exactly to be honest how much that portion of the test was but i think for you how much did you pay it was probably a lot less (laughs) (laughs) and here's where where i explain my story which is much shorter i was like hmm 
I guess I should get a license. I looked it up and it was like, oh, cool. Pennsylvania has reciprocity. I made an appointment at the house and I went in with my paperwork and I was like, I want to get a license. She takes my U.S. license. It's like, cool. Your state has reciprocity. <laughs> You'll need to pay 35 euros and you can- 35. 35 and you can pick it up in a couple weeks. Uh. I had to sign some paperwork there. Um, and actually, one of the things it says is that you have to give up your um, U.S. license to receive the German one, which I was surprised by and I didn't want to do because U.S. license is very important in the States and it's also your form of ID. But actually, this lady working at the desk was so kind and she was like, I know in the States it's different. It's your identification. We have this case often. So I'm just going to cross out this section and then you can sign the contract and you can hold on to your old license. Like she offered that to me before. Yeah. yeah, which was just amazing. So yeah, I did that. And um, a couple of weeks later, I picked up my license and now I have it. <laughs> the only catch, the only catch in the whole thing is that I have a probation period that started, I think, when my license was issued and then runs until December 8th. So it's a very long probation. She said it would have been shorter, but my American license only shows that I've had a license for like three years. So they have some calculation based on how long you've had a license for, how long you've been in Germany for, and that dictates how long your probation is. So mine was basically the longest or among the longest it could be. And if I'd gone to the DMV in the States and gotten proof that I've had licenses before this one, that I've had them since I was 16, then they would have made it a shorter probation. But I didn't feel like dealing with all of that paperwork. So I'm just sitting it out. And probation for me, it just I can still drive. It just means if I get any point on my license, if I do anything wrong and get a strike, basically, I have to pay three or 400 euros of a fine and I have to take a class, which also costs money. So if I make any mistake, it's very expensive. So my solution has been to just not drive at all. And I'm planning a road trip for December. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's my story. It's a lot simpler, very pain-free, which is why if you're on the list of states that that is available for, I would highly recommend it. That being said, I know I've just sat here the whole time being like, oh my God, it's so complicated. But people are such good drivers here. And I feel so safe on the roads as as a walker, as a bike rider, everything. And I actually feel like my license, I shouldn't use it because I don't know enough. Like, I don't know the nuances of right before left. And I don't know what you do on a country road. So I think the system probably could have been a little bit harder on me and it would have been for the better. Though, obviously, as a selfish individual, I'm thrilled that it played out this way. (laughs) And you don't have a probation, correct? No. Yeah. So because I had to go through that whole process, I don't have any probationary period. So I actually thought it would be kind of fun. I'm realizing as we're talking that California and Pennsylvania have very different processes for getting a driver's license so maybe before we wrap up it would be fun to just share how we got our licenses so okay so for me in Pennsylvania at the age of 16 you can apply to get a permit and that means you can drive with a parent or a an adult I think they have to be over a certain age because you can't just have your like 18 year old friend driving you around and and claim that that's acceptable. So to get the permit, you have to take a written test. It was nowhere near as difficult as yours was, but it is a little bit tricky. I know my brothers, I think both of them actually failed the first time they took it. I, being the genius I am, succeeded the first time. So I took the test. I got my permit. And then as I said, like it just, there's no one to regulate it. Yes, you can take driver's ed. And if you're in public school, you have to. But I was in private school at the time. You can go to a driving school. But again, you don't have to. I think you do save money on insurance if you do a driving school. 
but it's not necessary. So my parents just taught me. As said, I was lucky that they really taught me well and that they had the time and the resources to do that. And then six months later, if I went in and took the test, and actually that's my funniest story is that I was doing it in a manual car. And there aren't that many people in the States that drive manual, especially 16-year-olds, especially girls. So the guy who was doing my driver's test was just so excited that I was driving manual that he, okay, these people are known to be intimidating and kind of mean, and they will look for any excuse to fail you. Both my brothers, again, I know that they failed the driving test, but that's kind of on purpose. Like, because it's such a young driving age, a lot of instructors or test proctors They try to fail you to put off getting these children on the road, which I'm like, okay, so is the system working? But anyway, that's what I went in thinking was going to happen. They're going to be mean. They're going to tear me apart for little things. No, we sit down. He's like, you drive stick. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, I parallel park and and the rest of the driving test, which again was five minutes driving around a mall. He just wanted to talk to me about what I like about driving stick, what it's like and da da da. And uh, yeah, I pull in and and I was uh, kind of like you, like, what now? What did I do wrong? (laughs) And he's like, oh, yeah, you got the license. Here it is. Good work. So that's how I got my license. Again, I got lucky on just about every front. It could have been a lot harder. And I know a lot of people who they fail one step or the other and have to do it a couple of times. Um, I have no idea how much money it costs. But yeah, that's that's how I got my license. What about you? Do you do you remember Man, what it was like? Easy for you all around, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I remember bits and pieces of it. I know that California has changed since then. I think you have to be a little bit older to get your permit now or younger. I don't know. I know it changed. I think I was 15 when I was allowed to get my permit and 16 when I was able to get my license. And I don't know if it was required. I think it was required to do driving hours, but I know that I did do them multiple of them I don't remember how many I would say maybe like 10 10 of them yeah it was a long time ago I don't I don't actually remember so much about it other than doing that and then going in and like you said the driving portion is hard the written portion was really easy you got that well for us we got like this little tiny manual to study and then you go in and take it and it's really easy I believe that I passed it the first time and it was semi-similar to yours it was just like driving around kind of in a little circle I had the parallel park I know I did have permit hours where I also on top of the driving school hours you have to have outside of that I think 25 hours of driving and it has to be with someone 25 years or older with a license or with a parent or guardian. That rings a bell. I think we had that too. And then also for us, there was sort of a probation after you got your license, which was, they called it the Cinderella rule. You had to be off the road by 11 p.m. and you couldn't start driving until sunrise. Yeah. Until you turned 18 and then you could. We had that as well, yeah. Yeah. Back then, we somehow did it. We got licenses and now we are both licensed drivers in Germany. Woo-hoo. For better or for worse, brace <laughs> yourselves, cars of Germany. Um, congrats to you. How many months total was it? You said about 800 euros and how long? Yeah, I think for me, it took in total about seven months. And the other thing that's important to know is when you register with the um, Radhaus for your license, you have from that date one year to complete it, or you have to pay completely again for all your registration. Um, But I think another friend of ours, uh, she took, I think, about two months in total to do it. And I think she was really on it really strongly from the beginning. Yeah, so it can be arranged, and I'm sure the money can also be arranged depending on how many hours you do. And it might be different, different states or cities, but... Yeah, it's expensive and it's complicated, but it's doable and you should definitely do it within your first three years. Yeah. (laughs) But good, you did it. Okay, now we're going to wrap up the show by rounding the corner and heading to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. 
It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? I am ready. What is your favorite song to blast while you're driving? Classic rock. What is your dream road trip? Ooh, dream road trip. From here in Germany, I think it would be really cool to like drive across Eastern Europe all the way to Russia. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. And if you could drive yourself to the drive through of one fast food restaurant right now, what would it be? Oh, American fast food. Carl's Jr. And I would get the waffle fries with ranch dressing. It sounds so good right now. Oh, I miss ranch dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your hero's journey to getting a driver's license in Germany. You did it. So Woo-hoo. proud. Thank you for having me and good luck to everyone in getting your driver's license. Thanks again to Stacey. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're within that three-year window, you need to get your license switched. Let this be the kick in your butt you need. <laughs> Go ahead and get that done. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast, and you can find me online at theexpatcast.com. I would love it if you could leave a rating and a review on my website or on your podcast app of choice. That's really the number one way to help me grow the show and help reach new audiences. Get these resources to the eyes, ears, hands that need them. (laughs) And yeah, they make my day every time I get a new one. So go ahead, make me smile, please. I want to thank, as always, Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. There on Instagram at A Hug From The Side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with an interview with someone who's got three different countries competing pretty equally for her attention and her identity. We'll hear all about the struggles and the benefits of having so many places to call home. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. This done. Tschüss.